I'm Eddie Michelson. I'm Lucas Anderton. And this is Go Wonk Yourself, episode 11. Wow, we made it to episode 11. Uh, I just Actually, at this point, I, I can believe it, because what else are we going to do? <laughs> Literally so, nothing. <laughs> so, I say we jump into the news. There's a lot of stuff that happened this week. It's probably been one of the craziest weeks in recent memory in terms of news. But let's start with the bigger thing, uh, North Korea and South Korea. Kim Jong-un left his country, stepped across the border, and is now meeting with uh, President Moon from South Korea. I was blown away by this, and I was, I mean, I was blown away by the whole idea of it, but I was blown away by how not awkward their interactions were. Like, it was, it looked like any other, like, joint state You wouldn't have even thought they were at war. Yeah, like, they were so friendly. Kim Jong-un, like, knew how to be a leader for once. Like, he looked like a leader. Um, it was just very odd to me. Like, I figured he'd, like, walk across, they'd sign a paper, and then he'd go back. But he, like, they, like, sp- spent the day planting a tree together. Yeah, but I still don't want us to forget that Kim Jong-un is a murderous dictator who has enslaved his people, starved them, and he's probably one of the most brutal dictators on planet Earth right now. And so I don't want us to jump to the conclusion that he's now suddenly like some... Uh, like we planted a tree together, now you're, ha- right. you're Jesus Christ himself. Exactly. So uh, I want to see how this plays out. Obviously, it could just be all optics. Um, well, it definitely is all optics. But, like, whether or not there's any substance with those optics is where it's, like, debated. Like, I don't know. I don't think North Korea is going to change. Like, just because they aren't at war technically anymore when they come to, like, a peace agreement, that doesn't mean North Korea is going to stop not feeding their people. I mean... Exactly. And I also want to see what Trump will do when he meets with Kim Jong-un. This is a, obviously, a historic moment in which the president of North Korea is going to be meeting with the president of the United States... What do you think, uh, how do you think Trump is going to handle this meeting? Well, for one, I want to be very clear. This is not because of Trump. Like, none of this is because of Trump. And I think we're, a lot of Trump supporters are very quick to be like, Obama couldn't make this happen, Trump did. Both of the leaders, both Kim Jong-un and uh, Moon, I can't remember his name. Okay, but both of them very explicitly said, this is not because of any other country. So I do not want to see Trump take credit for it. Um, I don't think Trump can make it better in any way. Like, I don't think we can benefit from Trump being involved. I think the only way it can go from Trump being involved is it, it goes south. Like, I don't think anything good can come of him being involved. Well, I, I in terms of taking credit, I think whoever the sitting president is, who if he goes out to meet a foreign leader, like, he should get some credit for that. I think if Obama was the one who was doing I'm talking this, about we, the peace agreement between South oh, Korea and Oh, the peace agreement? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure that has everything to do with the, what, with the interests of North and South Korea, especially since the new president of South Korea has a big interest in sort of getting the United States actually out of the politics of the Koreans, and he wants to be more autonomous and see the Koreans sort of uh, make some sort of agreement, and that's always been his his take on things. So I think with Trump, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think he can take credit for that, but I also think that to... Um, like he he deserves some sort of credit for having the meeting and whatever comes out of that. So did you see that Mike Pompeo had a meeting with Kim Jong Un? Yeah, I did. And those it was were like, some incredible pictures. Did you see the ones that came out? Like the pictures I saw of the them? two pictures. Yeah, and it was off the books until after yeah. it happened, right? That's a little sketchy to me. I mean, you maybe think? for the sake of like keeping the meeting like without like press screwing anything up, I guess. But um, also, I have breaking news. Uh, our buddy Raj will be joining us for a segment this episode. 
He's on his way back. Oh, okay. Also, awesome. we will be doing a segment with Rob. Okay, so from... we can we can discuss with him the uh, college campus indoctrination. Fantastic. Okay, so but before that, let's we... talk about America's favorite rapist. Oh God, <laughs> Bill Cosby has finally got justice. He was um, charged with all three counts. Um, I can't remember the exact the <laughs> exactual exactual the, the exact names of the charges put against him, but it had some, it was like aggravated indecent uh, assault or something like that. I mean, you know, it, it was Perfect. obviously rape. Like, and he's gonna be uh, imprisoned for I think he could face up to thirty years, but he's basically gonna be put away for the rest of his life. Um, I want to talk about how this relates to what we've seen with the sort of sexual assault culture in Hollywood and these women who have come out and uh, spoken out against their sexual assaulters and have felt silenced uh, and how this relates to the hashtag me too mo- uh, movement. Um, so like I think every, most people's instant reaction a little bit, at least every stupid white person's is like, this is like a little sad, but then you just have to like remind yourself about how bad of a guy Bill Cosby probably is. Yeah, like, he was great when he was on TV, but think about what was going on behind the scenes. Like, we all loved Kevin Spacey on uh, House of Cards. Yep. That doesn't mean he wasn't a horrible guy off the screen. And I think, I mean, with with crimes like this, they do not start when you're 50. If, if you get a charge for... I know these were super old charges that have been brought back up, but, like, he probably has a pattern of assaulting women throughout his entire life. Um... Well, it was so, over. It was around sixty women, I think, who yeah. actually uh, came out and uh, were, and spoke out about it. Who knows what other yeah people have been so, victim of him who have just never come out and so, said anything. Like very clearly, Bill Cosby is a rapist and a bad guy. Um, and it's very obvious that he was guilty. I mean, yeah. I, I I see this debate. By his reaction. This still yeah. This is still being debated for some reason about him being innocent and all these charges being you know some sort of quote-unquote witch hunt against Bill Cosby. It's weird how we only trust the rule of law when it's in our favor. Like, <laughs> Well, I, I just don't understand why this is still being debated. He's obviously guilty, and justice has been served, and I'm happy about it. I'm glad that uh, no one is above the law, not even a beloved uh, TV star. And, and you can tell that none of these women were BSing by the way they reacted when the sentence yeah. was delivered. I mean, these women broke down into tears. They were down on their knees on the ground. Like, this was their justice, finally. Well, this this kind of raised me a, a sort of a philosophical thought when I saw the women's reaction to this. You can feel justice. Mm-hmm. It's not just a, a something that we as humans have come up with over the... I mean, we have a conception of what justice looks like, but when justice is served, it's a feeling you get. Yeah. And you could tell that these women felt, finally, that justice was being served. And I thought that was a really cool thing. And they felt that a, a system that had wronged them for so many years finally got something right. I mean, they th- their accusations were cast under the rug for how long? 20 years, some of them? Yep. Um, and so to see... Uh, the system finally do what it's supposed to. And it's, I mean, it's a reminder that, like, at the end of the day, hopefully our justice system will do what is right. Um, obviously there's going to be flaws with any system, but, like, the American justice system is generally a pretty good system, and it gets things right. Obviously there's flaws, but, like, I mean, I, look, I've looked at the pictures right after the sentence was delivered, like, six times, and I just, like, I get goosebumps every time. Yep. It was crazy. 
Well, uh, <clears throat> well, I was scrolling on my Twitter feed yesterday, and I noticed... Okay, wait, hold on. We have to talk about Twitter. <laughs> okay. We have to talk about Eddie on Twitter. <laughs> if you don't follow Eddie, don't. <laughs> Please! Follow he, me. He tweets so much. And they're great tweets, Eddie. Thank oh you. my god, you tweet so much. Well, actually, we're going to talk about more of my tweets later on, but first I want to talk about someone else's tweets who's... I mean, he might be slightly more important than me, but not King by Kanye. much. Uh, he might be slightly more famous than me. Uh, we're talking Not about Kanye much. West here. Um, and he's released a Twitter tirade for the past couple days. And I have a suspicion that this has to do with his new album coming out. But I want to talk more about the content <laughs> of his tweets. Is he Beer Bongs and Bentleys or do I know nothing no, about No, 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 no. That's Post Malone. That's that came Post out yesterday. Malone. Okay. Yeah, so Kanye West is releasing a new album soon. And I think it's going to have like seven tracks or something on it. See, I was confused why all these people were this excited about a Kanye West album. Now I get it. It wasn't a Kanye West well, album. Every, people are always get really excited about Kanye West really? and his albums. Oh, yeah. And you can tell that he's about to release an album, not just be, because he says he's going to, but also be because uh, <laughs> of how he acts before he released the album. I remember when uh, The Life of Pablo was being released, um, there was a lot of weird Twitter behavior going on by Kanye. And now we're seeing that again. This time it comes in the form of political statements directed at Trump and his proclaimed support for President Trump and the uh, sort of mind control that he's seeing by, I guess, the left and his, his, uh, the thought policing that's happening on the left. And obviously a lot of conservatives have jumped on this and said, like, finally Kanye West is showing the left that celebrities don't have to be Democrats and, and all this stuff and um, from my point of view yeah it's some of the stuff some of his tweets were cool but we can't forget that Kanye West is Kanye West and what he's doing is not because he sees some because uh, he thinks like conservatism is better for him <laughs> right like, Kanye West is purely serving Kanye West and like I and it's not even because of the policies it's just because this is what's getting him attention right yeah. now and it's he wants to sell his album and I think, like, yeah, I mean, it's cool. I mean, we can all enjoy it. And I was laughing my ass off. You know, that whole day when he was tweeting, I was so excited. And, like, it was it was hilarious. Yeah, okay, but... it's final season right now. And, like, Eddie and I probably have, like, more work than we're ever going to be able to get done. <laughs> but when I look over, Eddie's not writing his paper. <laughs> He's on Twitter. <laughs> all day. Somehow the work still gets done. But, a little bit. But the tweets are coming it, out. Okay, but, like, I do want to talk about this because it brings up this point of, like, oh, like, Kanye West has seen the light. Kanye West, like, he proves that black people don't have to be Democrats. Of course black people don't have to be Democrats. A lot of them are because the Democratic Party cares about them more. I know. And Eddie. Democrats don't even have to be Democrats. They can choose to be smart. <laughs> We're just going to wrap it up from there. Podcast over. <laughs> um, And so, like, I don't know. This is just frustrating to me. Um, where he's saying, oh, like, I don't have to be a Democrat, blah, blah, blah. No, you don't have to be a Democrat, but, like, maybe the Republican Party would serve some people of color, but, like, today's Republican Party does not, because the leader of the Republican Party is a racist. Um, George Bush, maybe. We saw the second time George Bush was elected, a lot more minorities voted for him. But, like, this Republican Party, the Republican Party of 2018, does not serve people of color. They don't. Um, I think if you want to think in terms of, like, collective identity like that, I think that's the sort of thing that's pissing Kanye West off. No, it's pissing a lot of people Kanye off West the, is not pissed the... off about anything. Like you said, it's just for Well, attention. that's the thing he's addressing, mainly, and I think a lot of people, uh, of color have 
actually resonated with that idea um when he praised candace owens who i haven't really followed the work of candace owens really i know she's a um she's a uh, pretty outspoken Never heard of her. Out- outspoken um uh black person on the right and so is like larry elder oh and who's I'm... the one in uh in utah mia mia love something like I, I have no idea but yeah there are a lot of people um on the right who are pretty fed up with the identity politics of the left and they they're tired of being told that they have to be democrats or they're not real black people if they're on the right and i think this message whether or not kanye west meant it is resonating with those people there is a time and a place for that argument because i do agree um i think that we're in 2018 we're gonna see a lot of republican campaigns run on uh because the small minority block that was voting for republicans is abandoning them they're going to run on the Democratic Party has pretended to be your party for 30 years, but what have they done for you? Um, so, like, I think that will be a real debate, but I don't think Kanye West and Trump are the people who should be making that debate. No, I agree with that. I, I, I don't think that, again, Kanye West... I, 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 I don't see his messaging, although it is overtly political, I don't think he's coming from a political place. I don't think he actually has an agenda in mind. And he he ta- he like joked about running for president, and he's done that before. I don't know. Let's just take Kanye West for what he is. And like you said, there is a place for that debate, and that debate will happen inevitably. Yeah. And it's already starting to happen outside of Trump and Kanye. And I think both sides of the aisle will have to address that. Uh, Democrats will have to address it. Republicans will have to address it. And we're going to see where that goes. Uh, so I guess now we can shift our attention over to joy reed who my queen who recently there was a blog post exposed about her making quote-unquote um like homophobic statements i didn't really see exactly what she said but they were i well i i did read them i don't i don't remember off the top of my head what they were but they were pretty mundane in terms of what we've seen (laughs) in today's political atmosphere but this really raises the question of when oh we were talking about this earlier with social media does it really not not matter but should we take how, how much should we weigh this okay. in terms of what someone says 10 years so ago? i want to say two things for one i saw a really good tweet about this um we can forgive things you say in the past but we aren't going to forgive when you lie about yep. them and and from my understanding joy reed basically went on the air and lied she said that she was hacked she said which that she is was now hacked. being it's almost completely debunked the FBI was investigating it, and they saw that it was archived 10 years ago, so the hackers would have had to hack 10 years ago, which is extremely unlikely. So it's basically confirmed that she was not telling the truth when she said she was hacked. So that's that's basically where... Well, and maybe what she meant was, I got rid of this post. Someone was able to dig it up. That's what but she... That doesn't require hacking. You can. There's a website that does that. It's um, Wayback Machine, and you just... Type in a URL. And I don't want to know why you know that. <laughs> um, but okay, the second thing I want to say, I know I always r- relate things to like my own personal political experiences, but like that's what I can best attest to. So in Virginia, we had a competitive 21st district primary for the General Assembly back in 2017. Uh, Tom Brock was considered basically the lone candidate. He was going to be the Democratic nominee. Last minute, a woman named Kelly Fowler, who was just on the cover of Time magazine, she spoke at the Women's March. She jumped into the primary. Um, 
And a lot of what she campaigned on, um, I love her to death, I think she's a really good delegate, but a lot of the way she won the primary was a lot of her supporters used Tom's past Facebook statements. He made, I believe it was one bad joke that was uh, totally racist from eight years ago, and that single-handedly sunk his primary. I mean, Tom was a flawed candidate, every candidate's flawed, but that one comment from eight years ago sunk his entire campaign. Tom had been working for two years to recruit candidates to run, and he was going to be one of them, and a, a Facebook comment from eight years ago sunk his entire campaign. Um, Democrat, like People of color in the Democrat, local Democratic Party were not upset about it. Uh, a lot of our party leaders, they were not upset about it, but that, and I'm not going to try speaking for the entire community of color and say that it wasn't a bad statement. They get to interpret that, but it just draws the question of how, what do we forgive? How far back do we go? Can people change? Stuff like that. I mean, we saw with Hillary, Hillary had the super predators comment. We saw with Trump with the tape, the Access Hollywood tape, yeah. and he got elected. Well, so I... I Obviously, when these things come out, we have different standards every single time it happens. But I think it has more to do with how we handle these things and how we react to these things. Lying about it does not help yeah. because the truth will always come out in these situations. And it just makes you look bad if you're going to say, oh, I was hacked and try to remove the responsibility. If you say, I, I, I think Joy Reid would actually get a lot of credibility and a lot of support if she said, yeah, those were really bad statements. This is the example of what can happen when you have your mind changed. Look at how I was before yeah. and like the things that I said. And now I'm out here advocating for the like LGBT community and I'm, I'm speaking in support of them where I didn't before. And this well, is what happens when you have your mind changed. And, and think, let's think about 10 years ago, where was the world when it come, came to how they viewed the LGBT community? If we ostracized everyone who was against the LGBT community 10 years ago, who would be in that pro-LGBT LGBT coalition now? If we don't allow for forgiveness, then the coalitions will never grow. Um, and and I think that that goes for literally any social movement. That's the idea of, of politics, basically, is to change people's minds on things. Yeah. So, so if you don't forgive them once they change their mind, then why did you try convincing them to change their mind in the first place? Right. So I think that's... The, the statements themselves and being dug up, that kind of makes me roll my eyes and I'm like, okay, I mean, that's like, whatever. But the fact that she lied about it, that's a whole other story. And Who I think, on earth is wasting their time doing this much stalking of Joy Reid? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how they surface. I would bet that his Twitter avi is one of those peep frogs. Pepe? You know, Pepe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Um, okay, so last night, James Comey made a appearance on I didn't watch it yet. Bayer. It was interesting. I saw clips of it. He's been on TV quite a bit uh trying to sell his book, which I'm still halfway through now. And my oh my, is that a slog? It's so He's not an interesting guy. It's not very interesting. It's very superficial. Usually like it's pretty predictable when you have someone who is in the um you know, in that wing of government they talk about all the crazy stories that happen that are now declassified like oh i oh, we were doing this mission or oh, we had to try to get this uh, i I'm at, I'm at a part right now where they're talking about an nsa program that they were trying to uh determine the legality of and all the you know working the machine of washington blah 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 and that's it, it, when james comey said he was going to release a tell-all book 
people were like, oh, great, this is going to be the bombshell we were looking for. And this is just a self-righteous, moral posturing book about how he's above the Washington machine in terms of truth and justice and how much he cares about, you know, it's just a bunch of baloney. I, I don't He's a bunch of it. baloney. Yeah. Like, oh, it, man. like, when you're reading the book, it just feels like a scam. Like, you feel scammed when you're reading it, because you're like, I paid for this book. I thought it was going to... Well, I, I didn't actually think, because I had already read what people were saying about it. I just wanted to see it for myself. But it's, it really does. It feels like a lot of filler, not a lot of substance, and definitely not what people were looking for. Yeah. Um, I'm just like... I, I like that he's talking, like, I, I think it's important to hear his whole, like, testimony. I think a tour around the country, a big book deal, that might be a little much. Um, I mean, everyone hates him. No one has a positive view of James Comey. He pissed off the Democrats, he pissed off the Republicans. Who's left? And now he's cashing out for it. His book has sold, um... I forget what the numbers are, but he has ridiculously People waited high... two whole days in line to go into his book signing. People are paying, I'm so like... sorry. Whoever did that, I am so sorry for you to have cracked open that book and read what you read. You must have and fallen just be so right disappointed. <laughs> Poor guy. <sighs> I, I mean, I, I would really like to, like, go to one of his book tours. I would never wait in line that long to do it. Um, a bunch of my friends go to William & Mary, and he is teaching there next semester... Um, it's funny though, he's actually teaching at their DC campus, um, but he's teaching at William & Mary, his daughter's going to William & Mary next year, and so he, he was just there, that's where he had his Anderson Cooper interview, um, and I don't know, um, they were all really excited, they all love James Comey, but I, I mean, I think he screwed up, he doesn't seem to have much accountability for the fact he screwed yeah. up. Uh, well, he sets a different standard based on the situation he's in. Yeah. He's obviously a very smart guy, and he knows the yeah. law, and he knows how to communicate with people and he's pretty well spoken and he's not a he's not a bad writer either but it's just you could tell in these interviews that every time he answers a question he's setting a different standard and you're not really sure where he's getting and he has from. to remember what script he's supposed right, to read right. off and yeah and it changes depending on where he is and what PR network <laughs> yeah so i i just think that's kind of humorous Oh. Well, um, so we are going to have a guest on for our next segment. Uh, we're going to be talking about the wonderful issue. We touched on this issue with uh, President Burwell when she was on last week of the climate for uh, other views on campus, uh, specifically here at American University. We're also going to talk about my Twitter a little bit more. We are. Um, and so when we come back, we will have our buddy Raj on the show. So tune in. All right, and we're back with a special guest, Raj, who has been on the show before. Yes, hello, uh, Edward. Hello, Lucas. It's it's great to be on again. Looking forward to a, a good conversation. No, I we are glad to have you back on. I was listening to the last episode you were on last night. What mm-hmm. a great episode. Awesome. It was a fantastic episode. Yeah. Centrism is indeed bullshit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. says, I think by the end of the podcast, we came to the conclusion that centrism oh. was oh, not... Oh, I didn't. Oh. I, I still firmly still believe it's bullshit. It? If we want to discuss that some other time, we uh, should. Oh, yeah. Right okay, now... But, we so um, like I was saying before the little break that uh, last week with Sylvia we talked about um, opposing views on college campuses. Uh, this reputation for college campuses that tend to be pretty liberal and mm-hmm. to possibly indoctrinate children with those views. Um, really quick side note: I had an AP statistics teacher in high school 
who went on like this 20 minute rant in class one time about how she would never let her kids go to public school because of all the socialist indoctrination in our public schools. Mm-hmm. So, interesting gal. Well, yeah, I want to talk about how college campuses tend to skew to the left, both in their... That's true. In the education, but it, it mostly has to do with the administrative people and the teachers who are uh, teaching. They Obviously, it's impossible to teach or to present information without a bias. So the fact that a lot of professors lean to the left, they bring that bias with them in education. Absolutely. And a lot of uh, college students also lean very much to the left. And so it creates a uh, sort of a intellectual vacuum in which there's a lot of confirmation bias happening on both sides. And that can uh, create an environment that becomes sort of a bubble. But I, on the flip side of that, I want to talk about how conservatives, what, y- what you guys can do and what I can do, to help improve that, because I see a lot, I, I tweeted about this, uh, a pretty lengthy Twitter uh, thread the other day, basically talking about my frustration with conservatives who just kind of sit back and say, well, we're being oppressed on college campuses, our ideas are being shut down, we can't do anything, we're being silenced. And I want to argue that, no, you're not. And really, all you have to do is stand up and speak the truth as you see it, and bring forth your own views and i've tried doing that and i there obviously i can do better but and we can all do better and by doing that we're actually helping uh sort of create a more intellectually diverse uh environment so my whole rebuttal when when conservative pundits talk about how liberal our college campuses are it's not like we force them to be liberal like should we have some sort of affirmative action in our like hiring and admissions process to only admit so many conservative people and only hire so many conservative or liberal professors like the fact that most professors are liberal and most students are liberal there's no cure to that like and it's not a bad thing that they just happen to be liberal that's like when we talk about the Electoral College and we're like, oh, if California wasn't uh, a state, then the Republicans would always win. Well, that's not the situation here. And so, like, it's the same way with, like, liberals on college campuses. Professors and people with higher education tend to be more liberal. That's true. Young people tend to be more liberal. There's no cure to that. And then when it comes to, like, this, like, Republican victimization of, like, oh, like, oh, so I had a girl in one of my classes the other day. I'm not going to call her out by name, but she was like, so I don't speak up often in my classes because of how liberal AU is and I'm a conservative and people That's always hate on me for my views. That's why you should be speaking up. Yes, exactly. And so she like started talking about how racist the Democratic Party was and how all this stuff that were totally outlandish views. And I was like, people don't like dislike your views because you're conservative. People dislike your views because they're radical and outlandish. And like, if you are going to be come to college as a conservative... Obviously, that's going to be a bigger challenge than coming to college as a liberal. You have to be ready to defend okay, your views. Okay, but the flip side of that okay. is... That, here, here's one thing that I will challenge on that, is that if a conservative comes to a college campus and brings forth their outlandish views, they are going to get destroyed immediately by everyone. Be if, ready to back them if up. So, if someone on the left brings forth very radical views, as I've seen, and I'm sure Ra- Raj absolutely, and I have both no, seen I in our... So. Uh, we're, in a, we're both in Western philosophy this semester and some people say the most outlandish things and everyone just kind of sits there and nods but like yeah. you can't get mad about that unless you're the one to call oh, them out oh we do well, we but the do problem is- but that's the thing like it shouldn't be sorry raj i didn't mean to cut you off no, but please. i'm gonna cut you off like <laughs> like you're acting like it's like some like disease like 
I don't even know how to because say Because the no. people who are far on the left and bring forth radical views, they're more likely to have the confirmation bias. And conservatives, even if they bring forth a view that's not but, as radical, they're more likely to get completely, like, outnumbered Eddie, and if I go to the middle on. of shittown Alabama and say my radical liberal views... The radical Republicans are most likely to have that confirmation. Like, it's just this specific climate just tends to be more liberal. Look, and, like, yes, Rush. No, you go. Yeah, right, I so, keep cutting you off. Look, when I came to university, I, I came with a kind of a, a different perspective, right? So I know there's a lot of liberals, a lot of conservatives, and I came in, you know, working with the Democratic Party for a long time and being completely exhausted by it, sickened by it, and went to the middle, right? I'm still a Democrat. I'm still a registered Democrat. But I'm upset because um, the Democratic Party has lost its fundamentals and has gone to favoring all these other groups that it's not its core. So when I came here and I saw that, you know, this liberal bias is being confirmed and confirmed is confirmed, I see that no other point is allowed to speak on campus and no one else is allowed to speak. And I feel like conservatives are often, you know, not their voices are not voiced properly. But at AU, I feel like the conservatives are boldened, you know? So, you know, you go to college Republicans, you go to all these places, and these people who are often, like, I don't want to use the word oppressed, but, like, their ideas are shot down constantly by people who, quite frankly, have no backing, no intellectual backing behind their arguments. You know, these people are emboldened, and they're not afraid to speak out. And that's one thing I really like. But... But, the other thing, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. But you're once again victimizing yourself. Like, oh, I chose to be a Republican, and now there's more liberals here, and that makes me so sad because everyone agrees no, with no, the no, radical not, things they say. That's exactly what you're saying. I'm seeing the argument. I'm seeing that argument. Yes, a lot where people say I'm afraid to speak up because I'm conservative, and I think that's I think that's a little absurd. What I do want to see, though, one thing that can be improved by the college campuses is setting liberal views to the same standard and them requiring the same burden of proof that conservative views have. And to say that they have the same already is untrue. I don't understand what your actual solution would be, though. Like, do we need mm -hmm. to balance our classes and only have 50% conservatives? No, no, no. And it's not even about having liberals? equal views. It's about, it's about having the same standard for, no. for what, what we find to be a, a rational viewpoint. Because if someone on the left... Uh, speaks out on a college campus and says, like, oh, I'm a communist. Everyone sort of just yeah, shrugs yeah, and nods true. their head. Uh, or, or, you know, nods their head. If someone were to come out and say, I'm a fascist, like, obviously both those views are absurd and dumb. But, but they, what is they your would get, solution? Is Here's my asking. solution. Here's my solution. So what I see is that these conservatives and these liberals are debating back and forth, and when the teacher pitches in, they take that liberal standpoint. And so the liberals are emboldened. Why the freedom of speech? I don't still. That's not a solution. Well, the teacher should be a mediator between the two groups. Not she should not take the argument of one or it's a private university. Of course, they have the right to do that. But if but you like, want for if you, meaningful if you, discussion, when you want the young people to like take in all these ideas and make themselves, you know, have their own opinion, you don't want these PhD super smart adults to take one side or the other because that just uh, that just kind of prevents other people from so, gaining this uh, this kind of opposing argument. If you care that much about what your professors feel, then why would you sign up to come to a super liberal campus and then just talk about how hard it is? Like well, most I'll of them are super. I don't think First of all, I I came here because well, I knew how liberal it was. I've always been in very liberal environments and I like debating people and I yeah. I, I like seeing other sides of the of I don't want to be in an echo chamber. Look, the, and I think that 
Um, I'm sorry, did I cut you? No, go go right ahead. Everyone's cutting Raj off. I came to AU because it's a great, like, school, first of all. It's in D.C., and the last thing I really paid attention to is, like, liberal or conservative, because, like, quite frankly, that's at the bottom of what matters. You know what I mean? So, I chose AU for two reasons. One, it's, like, one of the few schools I got into, to be honest. (laughs) Same. You know, and two, it's just a great location, all that kind of stuff, and professors are fantastic, and SIS is, like, a dream, right, for IR people. But, you know, the, the thing is, like, just because it, we didn't choose to have this liberal conservative bias, we kind of just inherited it, and now you we have chose to, deal with it. to come here. You cannot choose okay, to most go to a school. campuses are liberal, then. yeah. But like you came to one of the Wait, more are, are liberal we, are, ones. I know, but are you supposed to just say I'm not going to go to college? And then... if you're not willing to take on that challenge, yes, you can't. Uh, once again, the only solution to college campuses being a little too liberal and having the reputation of being liberal, full of liberal professors is to implement some sort of like quota system for like, that's not what, that's I, no, no, that, and that, that's not think... what I'm saying either. I'm not saying it's inherently bad that liberals are overrepresented. I'm saying from a teaching perspective, if you, someone is going to bring forth a viewpoint that is different from your own, you should hold that viewpoint to the same standard and burden of proof that you would hold anyone else's viewpoint. Like I said, if someone comes, raises their hand in class and says, I support communism, they should be able to back up why they support communism other than superficial talking points in the same way that if someone raised their hand and said, I support fascism, they should be, they should have to support that. Both of those have, both of those ended historically in disaster. So I think they should be held to the same standard. But the burden shouldn't fall on the teacher. The burden should fall on the conservative students. Why should, why should, because if it should fall on the, because if a conservative student speaks out, if a conservative student speaks out, I don't think that I, I don't want my professor to get involved if it's a class discussion. I want one of the liberal students to speak up and say, but the professor gets involved all the time when it's a when it's a liberal. because they're liberal. Let them have their like in high school. A lot of my teachers were told, "Oh, we're in a public school system. I'm not allowed to share my views with you." I thought that was total bullshit. Like I'm a 16 year old kid. I'm about to be 17. I'm about to be 18. I'm about to be an adult and vote. You should be able to share your views with me, and I should be mature enough to be able to agree with you on some yes, things, but- disagree with you on some things. But like. I don't should, have to be liberal just because my professor is. Like I should. But my all you're should being be, taught is liberal viewpoints from people with PhDs. Can't you're can supposed you not to see take that? it for what it is, though. Take the information. Use your own brain to distinguish yeah, where the bias is. Yeah, but human nature doesn't take people. People in positions of authority automatically have this kind of overpowering figure over others, where it's like you're right, I'm wrong. And so when they take one view over the other, the other view becomes like completely bogged down and so i don't you know i feel like professors in a private university i totally agree like they should have the right to say like yeah one i agree way or with other. that too but like to say like you know for example in a western philosophy class the teacher said like the infectious white man's history and like yeah the you know colonialism and all this stuff has completely ruined our earth there's no doubt but by you know have when there's people who are on the liberal side who are making no sense at times when you have this statement being made it emboldens their radical like viewpoints and you know whatever back what they have absolutely no backing and when the teacher says this, they just are able to go on and on and on and make completely absurd accusi- accusations, and the teacher just kind of allows it, and they have nothing to kind of... There's no checking for them. Yeah, I think, I think what, what this comes down to is that whatever the ideological composition of the college campus, I, I have no problem with that. I think if the school wants to be 99.9% liberal or whatever, that's fine by me, and I'm okay with being, like... A conservative in that environment and I'm not gonna I'm gonna I'm not gonna make myself a victim and say that I'm like being oppressed or that like I'm being silenced if I want to bring forth a viewpoint as long as it's rooted in fact and I'm able to back it up then 
I'm perfectly fine with doing that, and I will do that. But I think the same standard of having to do the research and do the reading and have facts to back it up should be applied to liberals because other... I feel like if you're a liberal and you're in a complete ideological echo chamber, you're being robbed of a good opportunity to develop um, the skills that is required to be able to uphold an argument. Because what happens when you leave and you are put in... Um, in, in, in the middle of Alabama, and you suddenly have to defend Karl Marx, and you just don't have the the know-how to do that because the your entire college uh, education, you've been told, like, yeah, okay, and they've just shrugged it but off because it's like, okay, everyone believes it, that. It's just like a cycle, and it's a matter of choice. Like, I came from... Virginia Beach is considered, like, one of the third most conservative places in the world. That doesn't mean it's, like, the most Republican, but most conservative when it comes to your values. And, like, so the past, like, my the past 18 years of my life, I've had to deal with that, where I grew as a liberal from having to defend my views. So if I get four years off at college, that's not the end of the world. It's well, just, like, it's a cycle well, some people of are coming from. So, what about but, me from Connecticut, where you come from a liberal that's your own choice so, long. so move somewhere to shit town alabama and you will grow as a liberal you will become more liberal surrounded by conservatives right, let me tell right, you we, do you have, have to not go to college to do that no like if you spend four years in this liberal institution which we go to a liberal arts school like it's a liberal institution like you're acting as if this is a kind of choice there's not always a choice like some people have to you know they yeah, have to go to places of i'm work sure and, the like, university get... of arkansas is like plenty conservative the University of what? Arkansas. It was a joke. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> okay. Many higher learning institutions, especially the very prestigious ones, Ivy Leagues, overwhelmingly liberal. That's you're acting like it's like some like the liberals have taken over. Like like Obama went and spread liberalness at oh, all these okay, colleges. Well, Obama's no. the one who's defending our viewpoint. He says that we should be able to to hear other college, arguments and open to college them. is a melting pot of opposing views, different cultures, different people. It's not really anymore. Everyone's taking this liberal okay, viewpoint. No, n not those kinds of views. Okay, I just okay. mean like we come from different viewpoints of life mm -hmm. and like different socioeconomic statuses, different colors, different religions, different all this stuff. That it, with a melting pot like that that's why these places are liberal and like ivy leagues for example they have like it's super high in diversity so like yeah it's probably going to be pretty liberal but it's that's a symptom not a cause like that wasn't the right saying but like it, it's not liberal because we like flood it with liberal teachers and liberal students it's liberal because this type of institution it is where these people are trying to like expand their view of the world is just bound to be liberal that's just how it works I, Look, I don't think conservatism is conservatism is somehow against you know diversity and like. That's not what I was saying. And well, it, I mean, it, it, it's interesting that you say that like because there's diversity on college campuses, they're liberal. liberal. Like, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I'm not sure where you get that causation from, but the the point is, I think even if you took a sample of all white professors from college campuses all over the country, they would be overwhelmingly liberal too. So it's not about like the diversity creating the liberalness per se. Yeah. Um, I think it has a lot to do with, like we just talked about, like the ideological echo chambers in which the students are confirming the professor's views. The professors are confirming the, the students' views. views. And I, I don't know the and statistics and I don't know like what's happening behind the scenes when it comes to hiring professors, but I would venture to say that perhaps not enough conservative professors are being hired by higher learning institutions. 
But, like, they don't ask you if you're a liberal or not when they hire you. I just found this post on College Confidential I want to read. So why are colleges so liberal? People are exposed to a lot of different things at all at once and all the time. Schools litter classrooms and common areas with stop prejudice and accept new things flyers. And lastly, people are away from their parents for the first time, so they're experimenting with all these different things, living on their own, making their own decisions, and studying new things. The overall acceptance of new things and new experiences leads to people being more open-minded and liberal. Where does that ca- where does that causation come from? And then listen, and- this Winston Churchill quote that I think you'll enjoy, you know it, everyone knows it. If you're not a liberal at 20, yeah, you have yeah. no heart. If yeah. you're not a conservative at 40, you have no no brain but like not that i agree with that quote but that's part uh, people of people do tend to get more conservative as they get older well, they do but i mean my mom is the our moms both are the rare examples of how that's not true um but like i i just think the setup of a of an institution like a college is bound to be liberal and i i don't think that we could if we flooded it with conservative professors i don't think it would lose that liberal bias um, cause the kids are liberal too. It's not just the students, but I, I think we do. It does come down to in the conservative way, rather than regulation and censorship and have the teacher get involved, have the students take some accountability. If that girl in my intro to Clegg class wants to ha- like be as conservative as she is and gets frustrated with these liberal views, it falls on her to speak I up. I completely agree with that. I just think well, the accountability happens- should be on both sides. What happens to people like, you know, I- I don't mean to, like, rub Edward's dick here, but, like, I'm allowed to say that. My mom listens to this podcast. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, you're staying over there at that (laughs) end of the room. Look, (laughs) but, like, when, you know, when Eddie and I are in in philosophy, Eddie takes a a very conservative uh, viewpoint. And no matter what, it's, it's, it's brave, it's brave. But, like, when everyone kind of goes against Eddie's viewpoint, oftentimes they don't have a backing. And, you know, Eddie does often have a backing to what he says. And, like, even then... He's so, not allowed to have a voice. You know what I mean? Well, I feel like I'm allowed. I feel like I'm okay. I feel like I'm allowed to have that a voice. Wording, but yeah. I do see what you're saying in that uh, if I'm saying something and backing up with fact, the and then someone are, else says it, uh, says something that is, no is rooted in nothing. The teacher is still more, li- or the professor rather, is more likely to go along with what most of the people are saying. That's not rooted in fact. Um, rather than the one person who's saying something that is rude, in fact, because of her own bias. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And, you know, the other thing is, I feel like... Do you hear the people playing music outside? Yeah, I was We have a little pond was. outside our dorm, and there's, like, benches and trees and goldfish that I put Can't in the Can't you pond. see we're podcasting in here? Eddie, that was really weird. Um, <laughs> there's two well, famous people in here, right? Yeah, there's two famous people in here. Um, that was <laughs> a great dark. discussion, folks. Yeah, that was good. Um, I think... Obviously, it's open to debate, but I do want, I want a PSA. Um, first of all, follow me on Twitter, Eddie Michelson, one word. Also, um, if you're a conservative and if you're on college campus, like, I can understand where the frustration is rooted, but you don't have to turn that into a victim mentality. Yep. Conservatives yeah. are always complaining about Democrats um, being snowflakes. Ma- turning victimhood into a sort of virtue. We don't have to do the same thing. We can take that and use it to develop our own ideas, to strengthen our own ideas. So what if if the professor makes you back up your thing, back up your views with uh, fact and evidence, and makes you really work for getting your view across? So be it. Like take advantage of that. If you're on a college campus that's overwhelmingly liberal, talk to liberals. Like this is what we're doing right now. Yeah. I mean, the the idea of we don't bite. The idea behind college... We just take your tax money. <laughs> yeah, is to be a battleground of ideas. And I think if you're a conservative, instead of just staying silent in class, yeah, just 
say your views, don't be afraid, and just see what happens. Maybe you'll either have your mind changed, or you might find that more people agree with you than you think. And I'm, and the same goes for conservatives and or liberals and like conservatives. Because like if you're if you're in the middle of Virginia going to Liberty University, you know, have a conversation, that sit place down. Is whack. It's yeah, it is whack. But like, <laughs> nevertheless, you know, people there often have a kind of a homogeneous um, viewpoint, and so like. You know, talk some, talk to some people. Maybe change their mind. Maybe change your mind. Also, See I want to, I want to just coin the term. Uh, when you guys play the victim like that, I call that cringe servitism. So I just want to. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I call that's it funny. being a snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's kind of an all-encompassing term. But let's let's put an end to cringe servitism and bring back strong conservative ideas. That's, all right, that should be the name well, of the podcast. Well, all right, folks. Well, Eddie, this has been a great episode. <laughs> Raj. Go wonk yourself. Lucas, go wonk yourself. Eddie, go wonk yourself. Let's go wonk ourselves.